0: Hello, I'm Andrew Suskind, and I'm a psychotherapist and author based in West Los Angeles since 1992, specializing in trauma and addictions. Welcome to our podcast, which I call It's Not About the Sex, also the title of my recent book. Here we focus on all topics related to compulsive sexual behavior, often referred to as sex addiction. In particular, we explore ways to build long-term sustainable recovery while establishing more meaningful connection and greater intimacy. Our intention is to offer fresh viewpoints, brand new perspectives, and practical user-friendly tools toward living a more deeply connected life. Let's get started. Welcome, Sue.
1: Hey, Andrew.
0: Good to see you, as always.
1: Yeah, this is fun. I really like doing our podcast. So to do
0: I. And today, we're going to be talking about a subject that doesn't always get addressed. Okay. You know, it's, it's interesting because the term hurt, H-U-R-T, hurt, is something that is thrown around quite a bit, but I don't think it's shared much or processed much in the context of addiction or compulsive behaviors.
1: Yeah, you don't really hear people talking about it. I agree.
0: Right. And it's interesting because recently we had a guest who was talking a lot about trauma recovery mm-hmm. and how trauma recovery is inseparable from recovery from addictive compulsive behaviors and really hurt. The idea of accumu- accumulated hurt or cumulative hurt is, is part of relational trauma. Do you know, do you know what I mean by that?
1: Um, yeah, I understand that. But can you share an example of hurt? Feelings? Sure.
0: So as kids, for instance, we might be on a playground and somebody pushes us or somebody says something to us that we don't like and we get the teacher and we say teacher, Johnny hurt my feelings, right? Yeah. And as a kid, that's actually a very honest appraisal of what happened that that the other person hurt our feelings. But we're going to be talking today about how as grown-ups we can deal with hurt without finger pointing, without blaming others. Mm -hmm. Because a kid doesn't know how to protect themselves otherwise, right? They're they're saying that the other person hurt them. And and it's absolutely true. But we're going to look at the distinction between that kind of childhood hurt and what happens as adults. As an example of hurt. What I want to distinguish is that as a child, oftentimes we feel like something's being done to us because we feel like a victim and actually we are because we didn't have much choice to to deal with it. And eventually we want to feel more empowered that we have choices and that we can do something to protect ourselves, especially when there wasn't that protection back then, right? Right. So, yeah. 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 So,
1: all right. So I understand that you consider her to be um, like a designer emotion. What, do, what, what does that mean?
0: Well, I call it the designer emotion because it has a lot of facets to it, right? Almost like a, a, a precious stone. And the facets are really everything from sadness mm-hmm. to grief to anger to embarrassment to shame and and so disillusionment disappointment I mean all kinds of things are really surrounding hurt so if we think of hurt as being sort of the hub of the wheel and all of those other emotions that are around it but are actually come back to hurt that's why I call it the designer emotion
1: oh okay that makes
0: sense. Yeah, yeah. So it's 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 complicated because it's not just about hurt, it's about all these other emotions that might look like disillusionment or might feel like disappointment. But but if we if we whittle it down,
1: yeah. it,
0: it we can come back to hurt many times.
1: So how does your perspective on processing hurt relate to uh, addictive or compulsive behaviors?
0: Well, like like I mentioned earlier hurt is cumulative just like many of our emotions that are unprocessed so we're talking about events in our life that were too much to process at the time right which is also one of the definitions of trauma so hurt as part of trauma um and trauma which is almost always part of an addictive compulsive cycle of some sort is is really a an awareness of okay what what have I been hurt by in my past that was too much to process at the time? It's an example of something that gets stored. I I call it uh, the the subcortical stored memory, and and then there's all of these different hurts that we go through in life that get stored, right? So. For instance, some, thing, some. let me go back to the playground just for a quick second. I, I used to work with kids, and I used to say to them that there's those kids out there who are like ducks, where things just roll off their back, mm-hmm. right? And then there's those kids who are like sponges that tend to absorb life's experiences and things that happen to them. And Most kids that I saw were sponges, and they really liked that idea that, oh, so I'm one of those sensitive kids that that absorbs and holds on to stuff, that really penetrates and and gets sometimes deep into into my heart. And sometimes I feel less than, or sometimes I feel like there's something wrong with me, or sometimes I feel super lonely because I, I just don't feel like these other kids who can just let things go. And and so, I believe that most people who are in recovery from trauma and in recovery from addictive compulsive behaviors are are sponges. Um, oh, okay. I, I don't think there's uh, there's a, a what well, empirical evidence for this, but but I think most people who are in recovery are dealing with some kind of experience that they've held on to and that hasn't been processed
1: so it's deep and we did talk about this a little bit when we talked about resiliency
0: oh, that's and, right yeah. yeah
1: and how things just roll off some people um, but I don't hundred percent believe that people are hundred percent resilient I'm mean, gonna I, I just throw that out there
0: no I I appreciated what our recent guest mentioned is that it's not about getting over these experiences. It's about learning to live with these experiences. Right. So resilience is, is often about learning to live with whatever happens to us in life, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So yeah, so that that's just a little bit about how hurt interplays with addictive compulsive behavior.
1: It's a deep-seated thing, I would say. Absolutely. Yeah. So in the fourth step, I know we talked about the fourth step before it comes out yeah. right? <laughs> once in a while. Um, so the fourth step of the 12 steps focuses on resentment. And isn't resentment part of the designer emotion idea as well? And maybe there needs to be another step focusing on on hurt in there.
0: Right. So I am not about to question the 12 steps <laughs> because I think there's a lot of wisdom to them. Mm-hmm. But I do believe that hurt and resentment are cousins. And I'm still playing with this idea, but but let me run this by you and see what you think. Mm-hmm. So when we're resentful towards something, it's usually about something external, right? I'm resentful towards my father. I'm resentful towards the teacher that didn't take care of me. I'm resentful that we're in the middle of a pandemic. Something outside, right? Mm-hmm. Hurt, on the other hand, usually implies that something is coming into us, right? I'm feeling hurt by a statement that somebody said, or I'm feeling hurt by the way the bully kept targeting me, or I'm feeling hurt uh, that my family isn't as functional as I I wish they would be. Um, Not that that has any truth to it at all. I'm just using that as an example, of course. Right, sure. But... But, but, the thing is that hurt is often something that we absorb that 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 really penetrates mm-hmm. in inside. yeah. And so, because in the fourth step, there's a resentment inventory, which is um often quite extensive and um not not easy to do because it really can dredge up a lot of details from the past. Mm-hmm. I think it would be actually really interesting to add a hurt inventory to the mix because we do sexual inventories, oftentimes in 12-step, we do resentment inventories, we do a nightly inventory in the 10th step, but what if we kind of had step 4A and added a, a hurt inventory it's just a thought, but I, I think yeah. there is something about looking at hurt as distinctively different than but related to resentment,
1: yeah, no, i I think that all the steps offer um, people to evaluate them based on their own needs, right? I mean, you yeah. can interpret them a little bit different. yeah, um, but that's interesting to add that in even though hurt is, like you said, multifaceted, um, it would be, a, I, I agree, I think it would be a good step to add in just because it does go deeper. And as you look at resentment, you, it's really on the surface.
0: Well, in um, a way, resentment, it's so important to tease out what resentments are. I mean, there's such value to it. But, but in some ways, it's rather conceptual. Like a resentment is something that is a memory or a thought or an experience that we're identifying right hurt is an emotion and so as much as there's different ways of processing resentments emotion or hurts etc um i i think there's room for a larger dialogue and that's why i wanted to talk about what i call working with hurt from the inside out Mm -hmm. today
1: So you're suggesting that hurt can be looked at as an opportunity to look deeper inside. So how can we work it from the inside out?
0: Yeah, so this is where it begins. So there's a method that I've learned that I believe could be helpful to to many people. And I'll go back to the playground again for a second. So the, the, the little child says, um, Johnny hurt my feelings, okay? So rather than something happening to him, and, and this is too much by the way for a little kid to do, but 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 instead of finger pointing and instead of blaming the other person, what if he were able to say, and I'm gonna say that he's grown up, okay, and, and as an adult, he he doesn't want to be saying, Johnny hurt my feelings, but instead he he says I'm actually creating this. It, it's not the other person's fault per se, mm-hmm. right? They may have upset me, you know, don't get me wrong, but but how can I take myself out of victim mode? Because as a kid, in a way, and I don't mean to say we're all victims, but we're all... Um,
1: well, you're learning. Right? Yeah,
0: yeah. yeah that that's that's it we're all learning together and we don't have a whole lot of choice because emotionally we're not sophisticated enough to know what our choices are and oftentimes we don't have the freedom to to make certain decisions because a lot of decisions are made for us Mm -hmm. by parents and schools and and peers etc so as adults removing ourselves from the victim mode is is so important and how we do that is and this is key is how do you take full responsibility for all of your feelings including your hurt and all of your reactions and and all of your actions right it's hard it it is hard isn't it but it's 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 actually a, a mantra that that I try and hold on to because when i feel like a victim which it happens to all of us i try and say how do I take full responsibility for all of my feelings and all of my reactions and all of my actions, right? That, that's really the first piece of this method. Not so easy, huh? Well,
1: can we, as like when we have young children, can we teach them that, hey, don't own this, no, no one can make you feel a certain way. Right. Only you can choose that. You do have choices.
0: Right. And, and I think you have just planted the seeds for a parenting book because I think, unfortunately, in our society, we give our kids what was given to us. And so it takes a certain change of navigation to try and do it differently and try and offer different approaches, and in this case, um, an antidote to blaming and finger pointing and, and putting the uh, ownership on somebody else. And so it doesn't matter whether we learn this as a kid or as a young adult or or later in life. But what I'm suggesting is that it really can make a huge difference around recovery because what we're really talking about is empowering ourselves to know that it's an internal job. It's it's not about them. And that's where the quicksand sometimes lies. Right? Yeah. So So the, the next piece of this is to recognize that this is not something to be worked out with the other person. Right? Right. Yeah. So. But, but what's interesting about that, Sue, is that lots and lots of therapists will point their clients to work things out with the other person. Mm-hmm.
1: That's and, one of the steps, right?
0: Like, yeah, it's okay. a step and it's also a an idea of how relationship repair happens.
1: Like around forgiveness.
0: Exactly, so then, which, is, yeah. which is fine, right? So f- forgiveness is a great example of something that can absolutely be a complement to everything I'm talking about today. I'm not saying it's one or the other. But um, many times, probably more times than not, if you're feeling hurt, this is not about a dialogue with the other person. It's actually a dialogue between you and yourself, right? Maybe with your therapist, maybe with your sponsor, but, but it's really between you and yourself, okay? So that's a bit of a paradigm shift, right? Because a lot of emphasis through the years in general is about repairing the hurt with the other person. I'm suggesting that there's a lot of work that can be done internally, right? Mm-hmm. And, and, and the other thing about this that I wanted to mention is that when the hurt is highly activated inside of you, perceptions are distorted. Right. It's almost like a fun house. Like like when things are activated, it's it's very difficult to feel grounded and clear and able to to really see what's going on very well. And so when you're feeling hurt and and actually the other person's feelings generally are also distorted, it's just not an optimal time to be processing the feelings. If anything, it's more of a time to be self-compassionate for, for the activation, to work on grounding yourself, regulating yourself, and, and feeling more um, calm and peaceful inside of you in order to make more rational and more um, grounded decisions. Does that make sense? Yeah, of
1: course. If it's, yeah. <laughs> it's just, a, it's a tall order, you know, I think. But- yeah. But self compassion and self awareness and and all of that stuff. I mean, I'm in my 50s now, and mm-hmm. it's it's a learning. It's a- allowing it to happen. You know, giving yourself permission. Yeah. I think is the right thing to say. Yeah. Um, and when you finally do, what a relief!
0: Absolutely. I mean, we all stumble and fumble through life, and and so hurt is actually an opportunity to learn about ourselves. It may not be comfortable, but um, part of what we're talking about is, you know, how do we just take kind of like uh, twelve step talks about take what you like and leave the rest? I mean, each of these items that I'm mentioning today are are powerful in their own right. And I'm really talking about, you know, six or seven different ideas together. And so not all of them are going to fit at any given time. But I agree with you. It is a matter of just breathing and being able to observe oneself with, with curiosity and to know um, that you don't have to judge yourself for the hurt. You don't have to judge yourself for what happened between you and your uh, um, the person who has, has hurt you. And, and by the way, I, I didn't say this earlier, but you know, we, we, we sometimes hurt others and we sometimes get hurt by others that that's inevitable. Right. And so again, coming to terms with hurt and being able to say, okay, this is part of life. How do I work with this in a way that's not going to put salt in the wound or, or, or make things more complicated. Right. Mm-hmm. So Another principle that I wanted to add is that sometimes, not all the time, but many times we try and make meaning out of the other person's behavior, right? We, we become a little obsessive and we think over and over, what, what, what did that mean? Why did they do that to me? It can be that sort of cycle of trying to figure it out, right? That's the thinking brain mm-hmm. working really hard sometimes in, in overdrive. And as a result, I often end up feeling like I'm not good enough, Mm -hmm. right? Like I I go into a shame spiral or a little bit of a shame cycle of some sort, right? That maybe I did something to them that, um, Mm -hmm. that I feel awful about. But again, the other person has absolutely no power to do any of this to you, right? They're, they're not making you obsess. They're not um, actually, they don't have a hold on your, your thinking brain, but instead each of us has the power to undo this. So this is probably um, another talk, but I know we, we had talked one time, Sue, about obsession and obsession is sometimes part of hurt, right? We get hurt and then we go into an obsessive cycle. So again, how can we find uh, exit strategies so that we don't have to stay there um, for too long, right? The idea is how do we get off the hurt cycle or the obsessive cycle more efficiently?
1: It's hard breaking cycles. I mean, I hate using the word trigger, but um, that not good enough almost a mantra that you need to break and replace it with a, a more use, useful one you know like I am good enough they're doing their thing I always I, I will default to that's them that's them yeah. you know and sometimes I think like um, I guess back to choice like mm-hmm. you can't no one can make you and I know we talked about this off air too but no one can make you feel guilty and when someone says you're making me feel guilty it's like no you're choosing to feel that so so just change that mantra from i'm not good enough to this is their stuff
0: i love that and I, i think about boundaries when i hear you saying that that just saying that to ourselves this is where i end and they begin right and they have no power to actually step onto my side of the street I've And sometimes this is a prime opportunity for gathering a lot of support, right? We're not talking about doing this independently. This is the kind of thing to do with a therapist. It's the kind of thing to do with a sponsor, uh, with a coach, anybody who you trust, who can really bounce these ideas off of you so that you're not alone in it. Because I think being alone in our hurt Can perpetuate old patterns that that it's completely up to us, Mm -hmm. right?
1: But would you, because I kind of feel like I'm alone in this a lot, and I like to record myself telling, giving myself pep pep talks. Um, So I'll record, like, while I'm driving, just like kind of pep talks for myself, and then I'll have them on my phone so I can listen to them, like, just to have them there. I don't know, maybe I created an alta ego or something. But um, but because the voices in my head or in our heads are just like, so I'm just trying different ways to break the cycle. And yeah, of course, having a therapist and a friend and someone you can trust to help you through this is a very important thing to do. But you can also help and support yourself. That's all I'm
0: For sure. And, and it, it's a very um, effective tool to catch the negative self-talk, name it, notice when and why it's happening, and then replace it with um, a more rational or a more grounded positive self-talk um, kind of mantra. So I, I couldn't agree more. Um, this next piece that I wanted to add is is something I like quite a bit because I believe in it so deeply. So oftentimes, in hurt we generate an illusion of separateness right we feel like we're we're different than the person who hurt us or we're different than the person we hurt but what i'm suggesting is what about looking for similarity right what about looking for similar qualities that you both have and and to remember when what, what it's like when i might have done did something like they did, right? So there's that compassion piece, that empathy piece. And this is the term that, that I learned a few years ago that I totally relate to, which is to eliminate the superior victim. Mm. And have you heard of that before, the superior victim? I Sue? haven't,
1: no, but I'm embracing it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so, so this is the idea. And I think you kind of get it visually that the superior victim feels one up, right, feels like somehow they're above the other person. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, they're feeling like they are crap. They're feeling like they're not good enough. They're feeling like they're being victimized. So they're actually feeling both simultaneously, which is which is quite complicated, but, but quite common. So the idea around the superior victim is to get out of the superior position Quickly. So if you're feeling condescending, if you're feeling one-up, if you're feeling superior, catch it and look for similar qualities, look for sameness, right? And the more that we move toward connection or sameness or that we're all part of the human condition, it's what uh, Tara Brock calls radical compassion, mm-hmm. right? Radical compassion for the other person, radical self-compassion for ourselves. Right.
1: So empathy.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: But so a lot of times um, when I'm in a situation that I'm not really happy about being in, um, I'll look at the other person as being almost a mirror to reflect back. Right. So it's kind of the same type of thing, like, oh, they're reflecting back something in me that I don't like about myself, you know, and just kind of being aware of, that similarity um but using kind of the the mirror approach I don't know if yes um it works I think it works because we like things about other people we like about ourselves and we don't like things about other people Um, right so it's kind of that transference thing as well too but just kind of working it the other way right being more empathetic
0: for sure and I think the mirror idea is so important because we're not only looking for similarities that are obvious but we might be looking for qualities in the other person that we disown in ourselves Mm. right so there's this opportunity to really use them as um not only a mirror but like someone who can teach us right that they're actually a teacher which is really a, a difficult shift because if we're feeling hurt it's not easy to, to, to arrive at that idea that actually they're our teacher.
1: Yeah, what's the lesson here?
0: Yeah, yeah. And, and so if you're ready, and this is a, a tough one, right? We're getting into some more sophisticated and challenging steps. How can you hold that person in positive regard, right? How can you hold them in positive regard? How can you hold them as a teacher, And how can you even practice gratitude for them, right? Because then you're taking the high road for sure. You're flipping the story. And instead of feeling like the victim, instead of feeling like something's being done to you, all of a sudden there's this window of opportunity to get to know ourselves and to learn and grow from the experience.
1: So just think... Sometimes I'll be like, "Thank you, universe, for putting this person here." That's right. Even though I'm like choking on <laughs> saying that, <laughs> right? But yeah, let me let me figure out what the lesson is here and what they're teaching me. Exactly. And yeah, let's take this inside. Yeah,
0: That's- and and the very last part of this method goes like this. So, oftentimes when we're deeply hurt, we withdraw support from ourselves, meaning that sometimes we actually neglect ourselves or we don't know what to do for ourselves to soothe or to comfort that hurt that has happened right so so just asking yourself how have i withdrawn support from myself is a clue right mm-hmm. and then the contrary action is how can i reinstate support to myself right what would be soothing comforting and ultimately something that would really be meaningful and create maybe even a sense of purpose around this hurtful episode. All of those hurts that that have gone on in our lifetime really could use attention. I mean, it sounds like a long process. Uh, uh, It sounds like something that will be maybe a lifelong process and i don't mean to overwhelm anybody with this but actually there are formative moments in life and many times the things that stay in our consciousness or in our in our uh, memory are are a place to start and then sometimes working with this you know either from a really relational Kind of healing perspective with a therapist or a somatic uh, experience, so that these deep hurts that that have been too much to process and have gone into the subcortex, into that you know that place in the emotional brain that is not able to really access it. Either way, we're talking about layers and layers and layers of. Feelings. But I guess if there's one thing I want to leave the listeners with today is that if you carry the idea of hurt as a possibility, if you're feeling disappointed with something, if you're feeling resentful about something, if you're feeling grief about something, you might also, not all the time, but you might also be feeling hurt and hurt as I keep talking about today, is, is such a core emotion and such a core experience of life. And learning to live with it in a way that is in perspective and in a way that we feel, like you said, Sue, uh, validated by others is, is really the, the healing trajectory. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So why don't we end there?
1: It's great, Andrew. I love exploring these deep thought brain things. <laughs> Me too. How's that from being sciency? Exactly, exactly. These
0: brain things are always a uh, part of our healing. All right. Thank you so much, Sue. Thanks. Thank you as always for listening today. It's always fantastic to have this conversation with my friend and colleague, Sue Merlino. And today we discussed working with hurt from the inside out, which affects everybody with compulsive sexual behavior. Be sure to give us a five-star rating on iTunes or share our podcast on Spotify. And if there are topics you'd like us to discuss in the future, please let us know. I look forward to you joining us on future podcasts and thanks again for being with us today.